So I have decided. I have decided. Now these are not New Year's resolutions. I think New Year's resolutions tend to melt in the summer heat, don't they? They don't last long. But rather, these are the foundational things for a Christian life. And uh, if you've been following the series, we had I've decided to read, where Jess encourages to get into the Word of God. I have decided to pray. I have decided to worship. They're the three that we've had so far. Now, they are all good things to do. More than good things to do, they're all essential things to do as a Christian. They feed us. They encourage us to grow and uh, connect with God in a real way. But the next two we're looking at are the ones that encourage us to get out into the community. There's no point in just feeding ourselves as Christians. We become fat Christians. What we need to do is to grow and to learn so that we can minister and serve and be out in the community. And I don't think it's any... Um, coincidence there's a lot of glass in this building and as I stand here I can look outside and see and that's where we need to be as Christians who are reading who are praying who are worshiping and uh, today the focus is I have decided to tell Uh, next week I have decided to serve but when we think about telling and talking about things there are some things that really aren't worth talking about It wouldn't be a January message from me if I didn't refer to my peach tree. (laughs) I wasn't going to refer to my peach tree this January because it's not worth talking about. For those who are scratching their heads, I actually had to write down the years. Six years ago, this little stick started to grow in a corner of the yard where I used to throw peach seeds, apricot seeds, plum seeds... Whatever I was eating at the time outside, I just throw it in this corner of the yard. This little thing started to grow. I decided I would let it grow. It uh, deserved to live if it was that determined to grow in my garden. Five years ago, there was one green, undeveloped piece of fruit on this stick. And I couldn't tell what it was. It was tiny and undeveloped, but I thought, well, it's obviously something. Four years ago, this is 2011 now, there were peaches on this tree. I thought, great, we've got a peach tree. But they were rotten. Fruit fly had got into them. I didn't know about fruit fly. Three years ago, I googled and found out you can make this homemade thing that you hang in the tree and put stuff in it and it attracts the fruit flies and the fruit flies will leave your peaches alone. It doesn't work. (laughs) Two years ago, I thought, I'm going to buy a commercial pot to hang in the tree and draw the fruit flies in and kill them and I'll have a wonderful crop of peaches. It doesn't work. (laughs) One year ago, I thought I'd get spray. And I think the word I used 12 months ago was I wanted something that was radioactive. It was going to be potent. So I went to the shop to buy a radioactive spray to kill bugs and they talked me into getting the eco-friendly spray. (laughs) It doesn't work. Next year, I'm getting the highly toxic radioactive spray that will kill bugs, stray cats and dogs, possibly small children. But I'm going to stand here in 12 months and I'm going to have something to talk about. So if anyone asks me about the peach tree, well, it's really, really not worth talking about. 
By comparison, I remember as a teenager when a, a good friend of mine updated their bass guitar and amplifier and um, decided they would give me their old bass guitar and amplifier. And I was just absolutely stoked. And I remember telling everybody I met, this guy gave me his old guitar and amplifier. I've got a free guitar, a free amplifier. And I couldn't help but tell people that. It was worth talking about. And after telling one friend all about this for some, um, some moments, went through all the details of how this happened to, um, to be, he said to me, don't you remember you told that to me last week? <laughs> I was so excited, I'd forgotten. And I wanted to tell him again. So there are things that are worth telling, are worth talking about. And there are things more important than guitars in our lives too. Things that happen in our family, exciting news, and things that we just want to tell other people about. And even more so, what about our Christian life? There are things in our Christian life that we just need to tell. I have decided to tell our verse today is from 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 to 21. And I'm reading from the Message Translation. You got that there? Thanks, Cameron. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. A new life. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. Even in stormy weather, Mel. We're in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, and the new life burgeons. That's flourishes, without fruit flies. Look at it. All this comes from God, who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other God put the world square with himself through the Messiah giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins and here is the key verse God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing we are Christ's representatives God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Three points come to me from that. And the first is that we do have something to tell. We do have something to tell. But the message is not about us or what we do or what's happening in our lives. The message is not about going to church or joining a Bible study group. The message is not about religion. 
In this passage, Paul gets straight to the point. The message is centered on Jesus Christ, the one who died and was raised to life for us. The message is about the sinfulness of man and new life, forgiveness and reconciliation. The old is gone, the new has come. Once we were God's enemies, now we are God's friends. The message is about a life that's worth living. The message is about a story of hope. The message is about a story of love, a story of forgiveness. The message is that death is not the end. Too often the message becomes confused or muddled by the add-ons, the different things that churches do and hold up as important to their brand of church. It gets confused by the way the churches and we as individuals outwork that message. That outworking will vary from church to church and person to person. But the heart of the message is the same. Here it is again. Jesus Christ died for your sins and was raised to life so you could be friends with God. You see, God is holy and pure. So how can sinful people stand in his presence? And we can't do that unless we've accepted the forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers. As we read, he included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people have ever lived on their own. But for us to fully understand that message, we have to come to the cross. We have to come to Jesus. That's our starting point. Christ died for me, but I know that he lives again and I can share in the life that he gives. And it's only when we have a share of that life that we can really tell that message to others. And as we grow in our relationship with God, as we experience more of him, we discover more of God and we can tell people more of God, that he's a healer, he's our comforter, he's the prince of peace when the storms of life are surrounding us. Psalms describes him as someone who covers people with his feathers. He gives us that secure place. He's a rock. He's a stronghold. He's a refuge in the storms. He's the bread of life. He's the gate into eternity. He's the light. He's a physician. He's a servant. We can tell other people about answers to prayer, about his constant love that remains faithful despite our failures. We can tell others that God is big enough and wide enough and deep enough, complex enough, simple enough, to be all that we need. Once again, the focal point of that message, he included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Once we know this and experience this message, it's unthinkable that we wouldn't tell other people. It's unthinkable that we wouldn't do that. Consider this scenario, a research scientist who for many years has been trying to cure some kind of disease that's very common but has no cure yet. And this research scientist's own child gets this disease and spurs the research scientist on. And finally, he finds that cure. He's able to cure his own child but then doesn't bother telling anyone else about it. 
It's unthinkable, isn't it, that someone would do that? If we have something to tell, then indeed we must tell it. The second point is that we have been entrusted with God's message. Have you thought of the wonder of that? That God has chosen you and me to be the ones that tell his message. You wonder, is God crazy? But Paul writes in the Bible, God has given us the task of telling everyone what, is he, what he is doing. And what is it that God is doing? He's changed us from enemies to friends. Very simply, from enemies to friends. He's drawing us into the saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what God is doing. The Bible says we are speaking for Christ himself now. We are speaking for Christ. I know that sometimes what comes through my life is not very helpful. My shortcomings and failure, my human nature gets in the way. And at times I just don't feel worthy of being entrusted with that responsibility of spreading that message. I can feel common and ordinary and perhaps you do at times as well. How can a message from the creator of the universe be faithfully passed on through me? We find the answer back in chapter 4 of that same, um, same book, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I read from that, uh, that chapter. We carry this precious message around in the, play, the plain clay pots of our ordinary life. We're described as clay pots. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. But that verse reminds us that it's God in work, at work through us. It's not anything we can do ourselves. Some years ago, I was with a school group and we were visiting a museum in Sydney. And they had artefacts that were thousands of years old. And I remember holding this little tiny pot that was 2,000 years old. And I thought, wow, you know, that could have been in a house that Jesus visited. It just really blew my mind. And I said to the museum curator who was allowing our school students to hold these pots, isn't that a bit risky? They could drop them or break them and, and so forth. And she said to me quietly, as much as these things are precious, they're all over the place. They're easy to find. They're very common kind of items. So a clay pot 2,000 years ago was a very common object. And I guess it would be like in the future, archaeologists digging back to our time and finding plastic shopping bags or something like that. They're all around everywhere. But it's the contents of the clay pot that is important. We are the clay pots. We might seem common and ordinary, a dime a dozen, but it's the supremacy of God inside us that allows us to function. So when you're thinking about being the one who's entrusted with the message of God, don't focus on your weaknesses and your shortcomings. We all have them. But just allow God to work through you. An empty clay pot, keeping in mind that God chose us to tell his message. It wasn't a matter of there's no other option, I'll have to get these people. We're not God's plan B. We're his plan A. 
his first choice. In John chapter 4, there's a story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. And Jesus had been walking along and came to the village where she lived, sat near the well because he was hot and thirsty. She was there to get water out of the well. Jesus didn't have anything to pull the water out, and he asked her to get him a drink. And that was an unusual request because the Jews and Samaritans weren't on best of terms. And for a Jewish man to talk with a Samaritan woman and ask something of her was quite unusual. And as the conversation went, Jesus told the woman about her own life and revealed himself to be the Messiah, to be the Son of God. The Bible says that the woman left her jar beside, beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Did Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. Do we have the same kind of enthusiasm that the woman of the world had? Would we run back to a village to tell people about Jesus? Would our enthusiasm and passion stir them to come and see Jesus for themselves and eventually lead them into their own relationship with Jesus? Or would we just walk along and maybe hope that God might put someone across our path? And if the time was right and if the moment was right, we might say something. That's how it can be too often, isn't it? We just don't have that enthusiasm. Perhaps we've lost that passion that we first had when we got to know Jesus initially. And maybe now in our life it's become just an old story. and There's nothing new about that message. We need to connect with God and find that passion again. Because you see, the message is for each person we meet not just someone who may come across our path. I was thinking about that while I was walking early yesterday morning along the beach. I do love to get up early. I don't need a resolution for that, Jess. I just do it. I was listening to Jess's message and uh, she was talking about that resolution. There were surfers, there were joggers, there were cyclists. This is all on sunrise. It was a very busy place. And I thought all of these people need to hear the message of God. All of them. There were people offshore in outrigger canoes having races. There were a few men fishing. There was a family of dad and an obviously pregnant lady and two young boys having a photo shoot in the early morning light sitting on some rocks. There were two ladies who strung hammocks between posts on one of the beach shelters. I don't know whether they'd slept there the night or whether they were just catching the morning sun. There was a man flying a drone by remote over the beach, obviously taking photos of the sunrise. And I thought, they all need to hear the message of God. There was a small group doing some kind of mystic meditation. They appeared to be bowing to the sun, chanting. There was another man sitting on his own. I could smell some wacky tobacco floating through the air. And I thought, they all need to hear the message of God. But as I was thinking that, God caught me and he said, Graham, don't just go looking at these people. You need to hear the message of God as well. 
And I realise that we can hear that message once or twice or three times, but we need to be reminded of, the God, of God's message. I need to be reminded as much as you or people at the beach that Christ died for me, that I'm called into living a life eternal, uh, eternal through the forgiveness of sins. The message is for everyone, even for you and for me. And the third thing I see in that passage is what we need in order to tell that message. Yes, there is a message to be told. We are the ones entrusted with that message. And what do we need to do in order to pass that message on? Well, Paul doesn't write about what to do. But rather, he writes about who we should be. And I think what he's implying is that who we are is more important than what we do. Another translation says, we are ambassadors for God. Now, an ambassador for Australia represents our country. They live overseas and look after the interests of our country overseas. But more than that, they have to live a life that is reflective and honouring of Australia. You couldn't have an ambassador living in another country who was living a bit of a wild life because it would look poorly on Australia. So that ambassador has to live a life worthy of their calling. They have to behave well. They have to interact with others in a very diplomatically correct way. For often, the only contact that people have with our country is what they see of the ambassador. That's the impression they get. We know that sports people can be an ambassador. And there are times our sporting heroes overseas uphold the standards of Australia and represent us well and we're proud of them. There are other times it's not the case. We hear of stories of uh, people acting poorly and it reflects poorly on who we are. This standard talk I give to students at school before they go on the Canberra excursion. It's a very typical thing for year six students to go and see uh, Canberra. And I remind them that the people that they interact with, whether it's the bus driver, whether it's the people who run the motel that they stay at, whether it's the guides through Parliament House or the War Memorial, or whether it's members of the public that are walking past, will never visit St Philip's Christian College where I teach. They will never visit the school. They will never get into the classrooms and see the good things that the students do. Their only contact with the school will be through the behaviour and actions and responses of the students there. They are ambassadors. They get one chance to make a good impression for the school. And by golly, I don't want emails complaining about it when they get back. <laughs> but it's the same for us as ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors. Who we are often is more important than what we do. And who are we? We are people who are ruled by love. That Bible passage reminds us that. Does the love of Christ rule your actions and attitude? Or are you more inspired by a sense of duty and obligation where it's a bit of a drudgery and life becomes a burden? Do you know if we're ruled by the love of Christ, there's a sense of joy about it. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we know God's love and that's what's ruling our lives, our lives are filled with joy. We can be a joyful ambassador someone who speaks warmly and enthusiastically and with deep joy about the love of God. 
I don't think we can be effective ambassadors unless we really do experience God's love. But the love has to be real and not a cliche. I was reading a very challenging book over the holiday break. It's about a lady who grew up in a Christian school in the United States, um, went to three or four Bible studies, went to youth group. Um, as she got older, would lead Bible studies, did all the things that were expected of a young Christian woman. But through various circumstances, things got tough and she hit the wall and was really struggling with her faith and who she is. And she would try and express that to people in her church or in her small group or in, in the ladies' coffee group or whatever it might be. And she was getting answers such as, well, just remember, Christ is all you need. Now that's true. <laughs> I'm not denying that. Or she was hearing things like, uh, she might say how lonely she was. And someone would say, well, Jesus is the only friend that you really need. And again, there's truth in that. But she was saying these things were just rolling off the tongues of people's cliches. No one said to her, hey, tell me about it. What's happening in your life? Wow, you really seem down at the moment. Come over and let's talk some more. Um, nothing happened like that. And if we're going to be ambassadors for Christ, we have to be real. Certainly we need to know that Christ is all we need, but we also need to know that the people who we're with may need some more of our time, some more of our ear, some more of our love and thought and care. If we're going to be ambassadors, as well as living uh, a life that's ruled by the love of Christ, we have to be people who no longer live for ourselves. The verse tells us that. And I wonder how much of our day is based on I. I want to do what I need, what I want, what I feel I can manage, whatever it might be. And we're living for ourselves. And it's natural to do that because we have a human nature. But Paul says we must live for him who died and was raised to new life. We've got to be careful we don't get caught up in our own interests, bound down by our own problems or self-pity. We need to let his will guide us. Not just in the large things where we think, goodness me, I'm changing jobs, I'm moving towns, I'm buying a house, I need to seek God's wisdom and guidance in this. But in the small day-by-day -day things as well. And I think if we can learn to follow God day-by-day, -day, then that's good training for us as ambassadors. We're new beings. The old has gone, the new has come. Or has it? Are there parts of the old still lurking in the dark shadows of our lives we need to find those and put them to death with Christ we are new beings but how many times do our lives seem to be as though there's nothing very much new in it at all God can give us that new life new hopes, new attitudes, new priorities new ways of responding to challenges new love and new joy and if we're going to be ambassadors, my last point is that we simply have to be God's friends on a day-by-day -day basis. Are you aware of that friendship? Or does life get so busy we just motor on through? Our task is to help others become friends of God. How can we do that if we're not living in a close relationship with God as well? The Bible says... 
God settled the relationship between us and him. And he calls us to settle our relationships with each other. That can be a sticking point, can't it? If we're going to be ambassadors to God, we have to make sure that our relationships with one another are also settled. If we can be reconciled with God, we must be reconciled with each other. And I think this is particularly important within the body of Christ. John 13.35 says, Jesus is speaking, he says, By this will everyone know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. How can we be telling others about being friends of God, about the love of God, about his forgiveness, when they look in at the church and see disunity or anger or bitterness towards one another? So as I finish, we have something to tell. And it's better than peaches and free guitars. It's the message that Jesus' death and resurrection helps us to be friends with God. That's the focal point of the message. We have the task of telling others that message. But in order to do that, we need to live lives that are ruled by the love of Christ. When we're talking with others, does the topic of Christ come up? Do we find that our words are empty? Well, maybe our clay pots are leaking. Maybe they're not as full as they should be. They're a little bit empty themselves. Do you know if those we come in contact with don't seem to be catching on to the love of God, it could be that we're not loving others as we should. If there's no response at all, It could be that we're living our lives for ourselves. If we're going to decide to tell, if we're going to take up the challenge to let others know about God, then I think it's got to start by looking at our own lives with God first. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your death and for your resurrection and for the wonder that that is in our lives. But uh, we come before you in a sense of confession. We have shortcomings. And at times, we don't have that enthusiasm that the lady at the well does. We'd barely run to the front door, let alone to another village, to tell people about you. Father, forgive us for times where we could have said something, but were too nervous or not sure what to say where we just miss the opportunity altogether save us from enjoying life together here at North Lakes enjoying all the things this church does but without having a desire to reach out to those who are not in the room right now but Lord as well as coming in confession we also come in hope you have chosen us we are not your second best You trust us, you equip us, you fill us with all that we need to tell other people about you. Lord, your love has touched us and we have the honour of reaching out to others and telling them about your love as well. Father, we thank you for all of the faithful followers of Christ who over the centuries have faithfully told the message, who decided to tell and we've only heard about it through their faithfulness and 
times, Father, we know that it was hard for them. They've been martyred and faced all sorts of challenges to tell that message. Father, I thank you for those who have spoken personally to us over our years and have sown into our lives the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we will have stirred up in our lives a new desire to tell, to let other people know of your great love. We thank you for that. Amen.